Imagine a wooden canoe flowing down a narrow stream. Now imagine the stream lined with jagged rocks and logs. The current pushes the canoe into one of the sharp edges, shearing the edge of the canoe. Flex and chunks of wood fly off. As the current continues to push the canoe against the rough, rocky surfaces, more pieces break off until the canoe is left unrecognizable. Now imagine the stream as your blood vessels, the canoe as one of your many red blood cells, and the jagged rocks along the river as the platelet-rich thrombi lining your vessels. Today, our patient has thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is entitled, Breaking Down the Perplexing Topic of TTP. Time for a minute physiology. Following injury, von Willebrand factor facilitates platelet adhesion and aggregation, thus playing a vital role in platelet plug formation and primary hemostasis. ADAM-TS13 is a protease that normally cleaves von Willebrand factor into smaller subunits. Thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura, or TTP for short, is caused by a severe reduction in activity of ADAM-TS13. TTP is one of the many causes of thrombotic microangiopathy, or TMA for short. TMA is characterized by microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, thrombocytopenia, and microthrombi, leading to ischemic tissue injury, and can be divided into primary or secondary causes. What makes TTP unique amongst the other causes of TMA is its underlying pathophysiology which is the severe reduction activity of ADAM-TS13, with levels of less than 10%. This disease process can either be immune-mediated, with autoantibody formation against ADAM-TS13, or hereditary, with non-functioning biallelic pathogenic variants of ADAM-TS13. Immune TTP is much more common, making up around 95% of TTP cases. Without ADAM-TS13, an abundance of ultra-large, hyperadhesive multimers of von Willebrand factor accumulate and trigger inappropriate platelet aggregation, which then leads to spontaneous formation of platelet-rich thrombi in the arterioles and capillaries. Small vessel thrombi causes three main processes. Microangiopathic hemolytic anemia via physical shearing of red blood cells as they pass, thrombocytopenia via consumption of platelets, and end-organ damage from ischemia. The median age for diagnosis of TTP is 41 years, although this condition can certainly present in much younger or older patients as well. Features associated with increased risk of immune TTP include female sex, black race, high BMI, and pregnancy. Alright, so now that we've talked about the basic physiology, let's talk about the approach. You are on call and get a consult from the emergency department about a 43-year-old woman presenting with fatigue, headache, and abdominal pain. 
She's found to have a hemoglobin of 68 grams per liter, platelets of 16 times 10 to the 9 per liter, an elevated indirect bilirubin, LDH, and reticulocyte count, as well as a decreased haptoglobin. How would you approach this case? Before continuing with your assessment, ensure that you have assessed the patient's stability. Go through their ABCs and obtain a set of vitals. What is their GCS? Patients with TTP can present with significant altered level of consciousness and hemodynamic instability. Once you're sure your patient is stable, you can then move forward with your history and physical exam. But let's first talk about our differential diagnosis. The differential for hemolytic anemia is extremely broad. It is important to look at the blood smear to narrow your differential. If schistocytes are visualized, your differential can likely be narrowed to either microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, which includes TMAs such as disseminated intravascular coagulation, or DIC, or traumatic hemolysis from a mechanical heart valve. As we mentioned earlier, TMA disorders can be divided into primary or secondary causes. Primary TMAs include TTP and both typical and atypical hemolytic uremic syndrome, or HUS for short. Secondary forms may be a result of pregnancy, autoimmune disease, cancers, bone marrow transplantation, vasculitis, malignant hypertension, and infections. Now onto our history. Patients with TTP can present with very nonspecific symptoms, and not all patients are critically ill. Initial symptoms may include fatigue, dyspnea, petechiae, and bleeding. Other systems will depend on which organs are involved. Neurologic and GI involvement is common. Neurologic symptoms may range from subtle changes with confusion, headache, and fevers, to more severe symptoms with altered level of consciousness and coma. GI symptoms may include abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. You also want to ask about urine output for possible kidney involvement and chest pain or shortness of breath for possible cardiac involvement. Other questions to ask on history, which may help point you towards other causes of TMA, include any risk factors for E. coli, which can cause HUS, new drug exposures, HIV risk factors, potential sources for other infections, and chance of pregnancy in females of childbearing potential. On physical exam, assess the patient's skin for petechiae, ecchymoses, or sites of bleeding. Perform a complete cardiac, abdominal, and volume status exam. In addition, perform a full neurologic examination looking for any focal neurologic deficits, signs of confusion, and altered level of consciousness. Also, monitor the patient's urine output and have a look at the patient's urine. Does it look dark or bloody? The classic pentad of TTP includes fever, thrombocytopenia, hemolytic anemia, renal involvement, and neurologic dysfunction. This presentation is rare, however. Maha and thrombocytopenia are sufficient when considering TTP, as well as for early empiric initiation of treatment, since TTP is a hematologic emergency. On to our workup. Critical blood work includes CBC and differential, total and either measured or calculated indirect bilirubin, LDH, haptoglobin, reticulocytes, and a blood smear. In TMA, you would expect anemia and critical thrombocytopenia. Laboratory abnormalities that support hemolytic anemia include an elevated total and indirect bilirubin from the breakdown of heme, 
and elevated LDH from release by lysed red blood cells, a low haptoglobin from binding free hemoglobin, and an elevated reticulocyte count as the bone marrow attempts to compensate for the red blood cell destruction. Peripheral blood smear should demonstrate schistocytes, or red cell fragments, which would support microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, and may also demonstrate polychromasia, which supports reticulocytosis. You would expect the Coombs test to be normal. Creatinine and troponin levels are also important to determine renal or cardiac involvement. You will also want to order an INR and PTT as well as a fibrinogen level. These results are usually normal in TTP, however, can help you differentiate between TTP and DIC. In DIC, the INR and PTT would be elevated and fibrinogen levels would be low. But INR and PTT may become elevated in patients with very severe TTP who are then developing DIC as a result. Once a TMA is suspected, you will want to go through your differential diagnosis to guide the investigations you order. The only test specific to TTP is ADAM-TS13, which should be ordered before the initiation of treatment in order to avoid false negative results. However, results do not have to be back before empiric treatment, and oftentimes results will not be readily available. You should not delay treatment if testing is not possible. TTP may also be triggered by certain diseases and conditions, including pregnancy, cancer, HIV, lupus, and infections, so screening via your history and physical and sending the appropriate workup for these triggers should be considered as well. If your patient has had infectious diarrheal symptoms that is pointing you towards a diagnosis of HUS, stool cultures and a PCR for shiga toxin should be ordered. Finally, have a look through their medications for the possibility of drug-induced TMA. Oftentimes, thrombocytopenia and hemolytic anemia with schistocytes present on the blood smear is sufficient to initiate treatment, but a plasmic score can help predict the likelihood of severe ADAM-TS13 deficiency in suspected TTP. The plasmic score takes into account the severity of thrombocytopenia, presence of hemolysis, presence or absence of active cancer, history of solid organ or stem cell transplant, mean corpuscular volume, INR, and creatinine. The higher the score, the greater the likelihood of TTP. Let's talk about treatment. While there are many causes for TMA, you most certainly do not want to miss TTP. Timely treatment in TTP is vital. With appropriate treatment, survival rates of over 80 to 90% are expected. Without treatment, however, mortality can be as high as 90%. For patients with a presumed diagnosis of TTP based on clinical features and initial labs, either hematology or nephrology, depending on your local center, should be called as soon as possible for line insertion and initiation of plasma exchange therapy, otherwise known as PLEX. During PLEX, plasma is replaced with donor plasma, which removes the patient's antibodies against ADAM-TS13. This is continued once daily until recovery or until the diagnosis of TTP has been excluded. During this time, you would also want to be thinking about the differential for TMA and any of its underlying causes. Glucocorticoids plus or minus rituximab should also be initiated as soon as possible. Steroids may potentially reduce antibody production and the number of PLEX sessions required. 
For less severe cases, oral prednisone of 1 mg per kilogram per day is typically used. For more severe cases, IV methylprednisolone 1 gram daily for 3 days, followed by a taper to oral prednisone 1 mg per kilogram per day, is typically initiated. Keep in mind that rituximab should be administered after Plex, as Plex can remove monoclonal antibodies. Time for a Medicine Minute. TTP was first clinically described in 1924 in a 16-year-old girl who had fatal TMA. She had presented with weakness, fever, transient focal neurologic symptoms, severe thrombocytopenia, and microangiopathic hemolytic anemia, and was found to have small vessel microthrombi. The etiology of TTP was unknown until 1982, where the role of von Willebrand factor was first suspected. It was not until 1998 that researchers discovered that the severe functional deficiency of a von Willebrand factor cleaving protease named ADAM-TS13 to be the ultimate culprit. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled Breaking Down the Perplexing Topic of TTP. This episode was written by Dr. Jody Chu, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Cyrus Shah, hematologist, and Dr. Rasha abdul Karim, general internist. This episode was recorded and produced by Alison Lai, sound editing by Margaret Sun. The Internet Work series was created by Alison Lai and is executively produced by Alison Lai, Leah Karinopoulos, and Zara Morelli. Theme song by Lakshman Vizantha Mohan. As always, we have an associated infographic and extra resources on our website at www.theinternetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you again soon.